Welcome back to Holder Talk Podcast Season 2. And then this season, we're going to talk to eight of our leadership team and different levels. And we're going to talk about what culture means to Holder Health System. And we're going to talk about how these leaders cultivate culture in their own departments. So stick around, listen to all of our episodes, and maybe you'll find a tip to help improve culture in your organization. Welcome back to Holter Talk Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So we're here today with Chief Strategy Officer, Troy Miller. Hi, Troy. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I heard you might have a joke for us. Uh, yes. Uh, I uh, was accusing the dryer of shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, do you guys know where the uh, where boats go when they're sick? I do not. To the boat dock. Oh. (laughs) That's That's a good good one. one. I got to remember that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got a bunch. Yeah. We'll save them for later. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So we're talking culture. Yes. And the culture uh, initiative here with Holzer. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us about your Holzer story? How did you get here? Okay. Uh, So I grew up in Gal Police and... uh, Moved away, uh, lived in Cleveland for about a decade and uh, worked in consulting and uh, kind of moved around. I actually got uh, transferred around a little bit and kind of lived in a bunch of different cities. And uh, back, it's been 12 years now, I moved back to the area and uh, started uh, back with Holzer uh, as a director of operations. So I got to see the operational side of, of the business. And then, uh, you know, as my consulting skills uh, were uh, urging to be used, um, and so I reached out to a couple of the leaders and said, hey, I have this idea, and uh, we're interested in kind of developing some of the business uh, intelligence side of the business and the strategy, and so uh, kind of landed uh, in the executive suite uh, about seven years ago. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So we recently had a culture initiative that we pushed out. Yes. So you were a big part of not only the culture initiative, but the culture training as well. Where did that idea to help change the culture come from? So, you know, culture is such a big animal, if you will. And so it's very nebulous, kind of like strategy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so much of the corporate environment is about the corporate culture. And it is awesome when you think about rural Appalachia, America, uh, really, you know, your neighbors and, uh, you know, who, who, who we are, right. Is just knowing your neighbors and and being friendly. And when we circled back, uh, to look at the mission, vision and values after the merger and said, okay, what, what should those be? We landed on friendly visits, excellent care, every patient, every time. Uh, and we narrowed down our focus from a vision perspective. And then uh, we landed on uh, Q first, quality first, uh, as our values. And we wanted something to be able to translate those values and that mission out to the masses. And I really think from a strategic perspective, it's how we win long term. It's why we have existed you know, for the last hundred years in uh, Appalachia and our communities as a health system and why people recognize and, and prefer to go to the doctor locally. So uh, Dr. Kanane and I uh, work very closely together. And so he uh, 
coined think Holzer first and we talked about Holzer energy and Gail came on and we were talking about, you know, how do we get out from an educational perspective and organizational development perspective, our message so that everyone's uh, speaking from the same hymnal, if you will, right? Uh, right. Hymnal, uh, if you will. Uh, so uh, corporate evangelist here, right? Uh, or cheerleader <laughs> or whatever you want to call me. But, but, that is, we we really didn't need, needed to make sure that people were using the same words and, and understanding the concepts so it would translate. And I really do think that is how we'll win long term, is being connected to our community and to our patients uh, through friendly visits, excellent care of your patient every time. And if we're living our mission and our values, it it will pay dividends for years and years and we you know we'll be the we'll continue to be the lead economic driver in our region absolutely you know and i like our mission statement is you know eight words so it's it's really simple and mm-hmm. i know when we go and we train culture like i like to dissect that and i'm like i want you to think about that it's so simple you know you see it on the walls but like what does that truly mean like think about like what it actually means and it's really powerful even though it is such a simple mission statement like there's a lot of power behind those words yeah and i i always start out and say you know tell me how many uh mission statements have the word friendly in it because that's the unique word right Mm -hmm. the unique word in our mission statement excellent care every patient every time is a given Mm -hmm. when you go for health care right you're you're not going to expect less than excellent care. And we exactly. Have, we have such capable people, you know, and we have the uh, traits of that empathy, caring, knowing who you're caring for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, caring about, uh, you know, the people uh, that you know and love and are connected to from either through family or your neighbors. And, but that friendly visits is something that you don't get in the big city. Very true. Uh, and one, you know, I get the benefit. Uh, the cool thing about my job is that I can go around to other health systems <laughs> and walk the halls and kind of see what's going on. And if you go to a hospital in Columbus, it's not that they're unfriendly, uh, but when you go to the hospitals in Columbus and you walk the halls, it's really difficult to get someone to make eye contact with you. It's so easy, right? Mm-hmm. That's such an easy mm-hmm. thing. But to make eye contact and and say hello and be friendly and be warm and be willing to walk that patient wherever they're going or answer their questions. It's easy for us Mm -hmm. here. And when you're in a big tertiary center, if you make eye contact with someone and you say, Hey, how do I get wherever you're going? They, they may say, Oh my gosh, that's a mile away. And and you got to go through a parking deck and you got to go outside and, you you know, and they're not going to be willing to, to take you. And that's why we live here. Uh, you know, we choose to live in a smaller town and have a more relaxed uh, lifestyle and no traffic and all those things. And and so I, I just think it's how we win overall uh, as a community, as a health system. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. So when you were um, talking about this culture initiative, did it come from like employee surveys or did, was there a focus group or when did you kind of start seeing the need for a culture shift? Yeah, so good good question. So, you know, we had the merger back in 2012, mm-hmm. which no matter what, even if cultures are alike, right, or similar, 
merging two systems just it takes a lot right and i mean it's it's mixing payroll it's uh it's uh you know different reporting structures it's you know different ownership policies yeah. yeah and you know it's we're a complex organization both from an ambulatory perspective, an acute perspective, a long-term care perspective. Uh, We have all these different worlds that are coming together and getting a similar theme out to work from, right? So we knew that there were gaps uh, from a culture perspective. Um, We thought that there were good aspects of culture kind of across the board because we all live here and we all think we're, you know, right. we're, we're loving, loving be, being a part of each other's lives. Um, but we knew that there were gaps that needed to be filled in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we worked on a uh, slight uh, culture assessment with an outside group. We had the Baptist leadership group come in um, and, and work on similar things on committees and putting things together, but it was very outside driven. And mm-hmm. being a proud person from this area, you know, we like to do things ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we stumbled a little bit on making the Baptist journey work. And so a couple of years went by, we had leadership change, a lot of executive leadership change. And we circled back and said, we need to reignite and remind people of why we're here. And it's stuff that they already know. It's common sense. As you guys know, you've trained it, right? Yeah. right. Most of it, when people hear it, they're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know. But that the common sense isn't always that common, right? And so reminding people of the similarities mm-hmm. of of you know approach. And that's what we did. And mm-hmm. and that really, I mean, when I train. It gives me energy. I don't know yes. if it gives you, you know, it. It, yes. it, it's, it's awesome. And when you hear yes. someone that you recognize at the training d- that are dreading it, mm-hmm. you, they come in and they're like, you know, I don't need to be here. I know, <laughs> you know, in my mind, I already know all this stuff. This right. is common sense. This is ridiculous. Right. And it's such a win when you finish the training and, I'll, I'll give you a quote from the last training that I did. So I did the very last training yeah. of, of the required trainings for all the people in the system. And if this person's listening, I, I hope you recognize it as you because it <laughs> motivated me. Uh, but uh, a lady came in and she didn't want to be there and I could tell. right? Yeah. And it was on a Saturday morning. And we had about I don't know, 25 in the class. So all the laggers that didn't want to do the training. Right. So, uh, that, or, or didn't know about the training, maybe I give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and above the line thinking, yeah, right? And so uh, you, you could tell she didn't want to be there. And she kind of drug her feet on a few of the exercises. But I'm persistent and I want to make sure everyone participates. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, she made the effort to come up to me after class and said, you know, this didn't suck as bad as I thought it would. Do you know how many times I heard that? I, I, I mean, I take that as a win. Oh, I think absolutely. that's awesome. Right? Yes. It's like, okay, man, I have to check. This was a good training. Yes. If it was only for you, it was a good training. Yes. So, Or even before we started, the amount of Teams messages, phone calls, or even like being out in the hospital, whatever, is how bad is this going to be? Yeah. was a question I yeah. got a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, you haven't even been through it. I, I used like, to tell them, I'm like, you get to hang out with me for a couple exactly. hours. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're just, and you know, and I always say in my culture classes, you know, the culture commitment are things that we already own. 
Yes. It's the queue first. We already own that. This isn't a new necessarily idea. We're just putting it on the forefront and reminding you of why we do what we do mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah, I can't. And, I, you know, I, I, this is a teaser. Um, so you guys may not even know this yet, but uh, we have some cool things coming uh, for, for, the, for the next update. And so it's, it's going to be a unique way of training. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be exciting. So coming uh, probably prior to end of this fiscal year, we'll begin rolling it out. And everyone's going to get to participate asynchronously uh, in a lot of uh, aspects. So it's really, oh, really cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So just a branch off that just for a second. So we talked about um, culture. How cool was it for you to see the shift at the last LDS? Of energy. Yeah. So uh, we did, for those that don't know, in LDS, we did, we did a, a mix. We brought the training in-house. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I, I love training. Yes. I think I love training more than people love for me to train. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a, it's a passion of mine whether yeah. people love it or not. Uh, but uh, we did a mix, right? We did a thing uh, on culture, and then we did also improvisation and management. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tricky thing about improvisation and management, when people hear that, they're like, is that a thing? Right. Like, you know, are, you, <laughs> yep. are you guys making this up? Yeah. Uh, but it really is uh, skills that need constant sharpening. And when you use improv to be integrated into your training, it creates this natural dynamic urge to participate, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. it gets people uh, loose and and thinking outside the box. right? And so I think that had some to do. I mean, I want to believe that the topic of culture is just uh, so engrossing that it was all of that. Um, <laughs> but the engagement level and the energy yes. level, of 140 people really wanting to participate and uh, engage and move the organization forward in a positive way is just awesome. And so and you could feel it, mm-hmm. you know, in the day. And we, we got it in the comments back uh, from the management meeting. And I hope it's, you know, the first step in many of things that we can use from an engagement perspective tool uh, that will allow us to do, you know, more well, uh, interesting things. Jessica and I actually went to a department and used some of the improv skills. Oh, great! With um, a team that were were not management. Yeah, they had asked to like. Yeah. they wanted it to come. They wanted yeah. to bring it to. Oh, excellent! Their department. So yeah, I mean that speaks volumes right there that they're like, yeah. hey, this was cool. Bring how, this to our department. So how did it go in a smaller? Is it's probably a little easier in a smaller group, right? Yeah. We, so we had two groups. Like Jess was facilitating one. So we had probably, I want to say ten to twelve ish. Okay. Um, and, um, it was, always very hesitant at the beginning. Yeah. You know, they don't want to look silly, uh, but all of it is silly, you know, yes. at the begin with, yeah. but they loved it. And we got some positive feedback from that department of, we should do more of this. Yes. We should do more of this. This was, this was fun, which is always when you're training is a bonus. Yeah. Um, and it was engaging. So it was, it was, we got really positive feedback. Yeah. And the improv, uh, you know, concept idea, um, really came from the last leader cast 
I don't know if you guys realize it or yeah. not. But there was, uh, I can't even remember the speaker, which is terrible, but he was talking um, about improvisation and how he took an improv class. And um, that led to some idea generation, um, Gail and me and, and uh, Dr. Kennedy, and we started kicking around um, improvisation. And Dr. Kennedy is one of those people that once he gets kind of a morsel of something and mm -hmm. it's interesting to him, he's all in. And so, you know, we talked about it one day and I think the next day or the following day, he had three books from Amazon about <laughs> improvisation and he'd already read them or read one of them and right. said, Hey, you got to get this book. And, you know, and I'm like, you're six chapters ahead of me. I, I need time. <laughs> um, and then he went to Chicago and did an improv class. and was like, I think there's something to this. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it is a really interesting concept, I think, to leverage for not only management, but I think it, it really could play into uh, staff uh, engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So what would you say to um, a leader, maybe one of our leaders, that say, I'm struggling with this culture concept or my team is struggling with this culture concept? What advice would you have for them? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I guess I would want to know more, right? I, I, how are you struggling? What, sure. what, do you, what do you think that the limitations are? What's your understanding of the culture? Um, I, I think that there is a, a big, I don't know, misunderstanding is the right word, but there's some confusion around the word accountability when you talk about culture. Okay. And we struggled with that because mm -hmm. I guess back to your question a few questions ago uh, regarding uh, how we got to the culture commitment. Let me I, let me answer that first okay. because I, I don't want to, the group to think or the listeners to think that uh, that they didn't have anything to do with it. The management team collectively came together and developed the culture commitment. And they had ideas that came forward in those discussion groups. It was a director uh, and, a, and VPs that met first, and then it was the management team that added in. And then we developed this document and then took it back and had, um, you know, some, the, some of the management team, a lot of the management team sign it. We had a signing day and those things. But it was, the, it was developed at middle management really of what we wanted to do from a culture perspective. And it just highlighted the things that we were doing and the things that we wanted to do better. And then we took from there the education components and Gail and I met month after month after month after month trying to figure out, well, how do we, how do we engage this piece of it? And I'm sure I, I'm not to take credit away from the education <laughs> team. I'm positive you guys all played roles too. Uh, but Gail would come go away and then come back and be like, Hey, here's what we came up with. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that is uh, super wild and cool that it was collectively uh, created like that. But accountability, so back to your, your second question. Yeah. Uh, so when we talk about accountability in the culture commitment, I always was careful to remind people that in the culture commitment that we put forward, it's about self-accountability. Mm -hmm. Because you can only control yourself. Very true. And if you rem remember 
that it's self-accountable. It's not about pointing across the aisle and saying, this is what Susie's not doing, or this is what Susie's doing, right? It's about what am I doing to effectuate the best culture that we can have? And I would ask the manager, what makes you think you're not following the culture, right? right. Are you being self-accountable? And do others in your group understand the self-accountability aspect of culture. That's where I would start. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of dynamics, right? That play sure. into all the different sure. areas. Okay. Um, so the next step, so, you know, we talked about um, the different cultures inside of our culture. Yes. Um, what are some ways you think that we're doing it correctly and trying to, I don't know if blend's the right word, but um, build a better relationship with someone who has a different culture in their in their department. Yeah, so subcultures I th- I think are fine. Yeah, uh, you know I I think if you are working twenty four seven, open all the time, working holidays and those things, you probably have a little different culture than if you're sure. eight to five Monday through Fridays that always have all the holidays off. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Different culture. Right. If you are in a ward where you're taking care of patients that you know are, you know, in the exit of their life, if you're in hospice or, you know, your culture is a little different, right? But no matter what, the friendly visits, excellent care, every patient, every time, plays throughout those cultures. And I think understanding, too, that we're all customers of each other and recognizing that and knowing that we have to be, uh, you know, committed and friendly and empathetic to each other mm-hmm. and to our community and to our patients. Um, it's just super important. And that's the thread that ties them all together. So no matter if you have a subculture that you only come out at night, right? right? And you're, you prefer no sunlight or whatever, right. uh, that's okay. You know, and, and a lot of those people have a lot of things in common, sure. you know, um, but uh, it's okay, I think, to have some differences, but the approach to the customer, the approach to care, I think has got to be uh, consistent. Absolutely. I've been in healthcare. This is my 10th year. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my first six were in post-acute where I did okay. social yeah. services. Yeah. Um, and before that, my mom has a very long history in healthcare. And one thing that she told me when I started in post-acute care was to treat that patient or that resident in post-acute care language, like it was your grandma laying there or your grandpa. Sure. Um, And then treat your nursing staff because I'm not a clinical person. Like that is the family of that resident because they spend more time with them than sometimes their actual family does. Mm -hmm. So I took that with me to post-acute care and, you know, we're a team. What do we need to do to take care of grandma? Yes. What do we need to do to take care of? So if you're the nursing expert, I'm not going to pretend I am, but we're going to work together and we're going to provide the best possible experience because that's my grandma, you know? Right. So that ties all into that mission statement and culture. And that's something that's always stuck with me when I was patient facing. Um, So that kind of ties into the culture and things like that um, as well. So now that we've got a good momentum going, we've, everyone's been trained new employees are trained. How do we keep this going? 
Yeah, so that was the teaser that I was talking about, right? right? Yeah. So we're, uh, we have a plan. We are working through the details of the plan. Um, we, I don't want to. I don't want to give away what, what we're doing. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's not you know not a super secret, but it, we're going to allow people to uh, do some asynchronous stuff. Okay. Um, and then it's going to be uh, there's going to be a bibliography to it, right? That says here's the basis of this, yeah. And here's additional training if you want to have that training. I mean, one of the things that I am a little bit worried about that I think that we have to be conscious of from a culture perspective is the, you know, the dreaded word that everyone's talking about right now, burnout. And, yeah. you know, the pandemic was such a weight on healthcare workers and it really hasn't changed. I mean, the, the sickness in the hallway that you recognize that was uh, uh, quarantined off or, you know, plastic and you kind of recognize this is an isolation ward, ward of, right. uh, of COVID, those have gone away so it's a little bit more out of sight now and it's all those things around mental health that are unseen um, and it was a lot more visible mm -hmm. during the height of COVID right you could recognize that person's putting on PPE my god that person has has worn a mask for the last 12 hours with goggles and a face shield and and you know all the clothing you had to put on and how how tiring and how stressful that had to be on that person mm -hmm. and we didn't handle that that well but now we have the invisible weight of the pandemic and the understaffed and the, you know, the overcare that, that has to take place. And um, we have to be cognizant of how we approach that. And just the world in general struggles with mental health, yeah. the country in general. And, and we're, we're one of those as well. We're a victim to it. And I hope that we figure out ways to lean on each other um, and do that through uh, ways to offset burnout. But a lot of that is collegiality and how we find common things that we can do together as a team, mm -hmm. um, do things with, with family, with your family, taking mental health uh, breaks. Uh, I was reading yesterday about um, there's a, a limited amount of energy that you have to expend, and it's energy in and energy out and taking an energy survey of yourself to figure out what you're spending your energy on and how you're giving yourself energy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I got to figure out how to wait a way to tie that in to holes or energy yeah. and making it about the people. So there's some teasers there uh, that, that are coming in. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, so it's, you know, I think it's going to be super powerful about the individual, uh, of uh, as a cog of the whole organization whereas before we were talking about the whole organization yeah that's awesome i'm already excited yeah, yeah. We'll see that. Like, yeah. that sounds super cool yeah well i think that's all that we had is there anything else that we didn't ask that you wish we would have um <laughs> so surveys uh thank you for the reminder um i beg the organization to take every survey you get. It is things that we use. You know, we, we constantly are told um, 
you know, we, uh, you don't, you don't hear us. You're not communicating to us on every survey that we do. Uh, we need better ways to communicate or, you know, there, there's not enough communication. And so we, we go through and we try all different ways. And this podcast is one of those ways, right? Correct. Is how, how do we do outreach? But surveys are a way that we can take information and turn it around into actionable results. And so anything that you get as an employee, please take those surveys and give us the feedback. So on the employee engagement survey, I can tell you that I, I personally, uh, as one of the executives and all the executives get them, I read every comment, positive and negative, that's delivered on those surveys. It takes me probably a good day to go through oh, them sure. and digest them. And I can tell you, I usually will read the uh, constructive comments first. And I get a little down and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what people <laughs> you know, are thinking. And then the next day, I go back in and I start with the positive comments and why people want to live and work here and be part of Holzer Energy and part of the collective of Holzer that we offer to our community. And it's so empowering. And I'm like so glad that I saved that as the secondary versus the, the primary look. Uh, but I go back to the, to the uh, opportunities that are pointed out. And I read each one of those and say, how can we make it better uh, on this feedback. And we do that on everything. We do that on patient surveys. Um, we do that on the quality survey mm -hmm. that doesn't, you know, get a ton of attention. But, we, you know, we get um, about uh, 1,500 uh, surveys back out of 2,300 people, which is amazing. Yeah, that's, that's a good an amazing response, right? result. Yeah. Uh, out of those uh, 1,500, 1,600, we get 800 that actually will take the time to write reviews and say, I like this about Holzer. I think this is a place that we could work on. And the two things that come up, I'm going to do a plug. I did this in the, the culture <laughs> training. But the two things that people love about Holzer is taking care of their community and their family. Yeah. And second, that they feel like the people they work with is part of a second family that was created because they feel so close to those people. And that those are two amazing things, yeah. right? And so um, we, but, you know, back to the survey, it, it is just uh, so important that you take them seriously and give whatever your feedback is, positive or, or constructive, um, that it's really important that we get get those results thank you for reminding me hey that. no problem absolutely and <laughs> one of my classes you know something you said just about the feedback and making sure you take those opportunities and one of the classes i teach i actually touch on problem admiring where you know you just look at a problem you talk about the problem but you don't do anything to help fix it. So, like, again, there's feedback on those surveys. You're not becoming a problem admirer. You're actually taking steps toward, yeah. you know, solving it and, you know, making it better. So, you know, I think it is very important even, you know, as constructive feedback as sometimes it is hard to digest, as you said, you know, it's still super important. And, you know, 
I think it's commendable of our leadership to give our organization like the opportunities to give, you know, everybody gets the same opportunity to give that feedback. And so and you take the time to read it from everybody, from every department, you know. So I think that's really commendable. And it is about perspective. I mean, you know, if you're not doing the job that that person that filling out the survey is doing, you get to kind of see what their real struggles are in that department. Yeah, absolutely. Or what the department's doing correctly. And then you can build off of that for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that empathy piece of we're getting a lot of positive comments from this department. What are they doing? What are they doing right? What are we doing that we can give to somebody else who may be struggling? Mm-hmm. So that's that's good to know, too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Excellent. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Yeah, we're so glad that you came. And Absolutely. Happy to sit down with you. I feel like we got to learn a lot about you. And yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This has been a Holzer Talk production. We are your co-hosts, Sarah Smith and Sarah Lowry. For more information on services provided by Holzer, please visit www.holzer.org. Or if you're interested in any of our training opportunities, visit hlii.org.